Hello, welcome to a special podcast for, I guess, from the Pop Shop family. We got, um, I'm Andrew Unterberger from Coming Around Again. We have uh, Jason Lipschitz and Joe Lynch for the Mustard Music Podcast. What's up? Hello. And we're, we're here today to talk all things Justin Timberlake and Mr. JT. Two, two of the three of us here today are six, so this is going to be an interesting one. Jason might not. Are you guys both sick? Get I didn't yeah. know that. Why yep. am I in a small room with you guys? Yeah, this is, this, is, uh, this is a trap for you, I think. But uh, <laughs> a trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to talk through our, our sore throats and congested noses and hopefully uh, mm-hmm. do Mr. Timberlake justice. Uh, so the, the first and most important question to talk about, I think, when, when talking about Justin Timberlake is, uh, were you guys in sync or Backstreet Boys people growing up? Uh, Backstreet Boys. I still am. I was not super on either team. Mm-hmm. I was pretty much solidly in the Britney Spears fan okay. zone. <laughs> the the um, third party option, sure. My sister played both of their albums a lot. I definitely gravitated towards the InSync songs more, okay. but I would not say I at any point considered myself a fan of either group. In any way, really? Certainly, okay. when they were big, I was like, I was like, eh, they're whatever. I was definitely. On were the you already like team. too old into into your kind of like cynical classic rock phase, or? I guess. I mean, I did okay. like pop. I just, I, I wasn't. I wasn't against either of them. I just, I, I wasn't a. Uh, wasn't on track with any of the boy bands back in the day. Meanwhile, I like, co- like I follow them like very closely in the sense that like I was, I was listening to a lot of like as most like, like thirteen year old like like suburban white guys would i was listening to like a lot of like angry rock and dumb rock like limp biscuit and corn mm-hmm. and all that but i also like was a big pop fan i like loved i wanted that way i loved bye 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 mm-hmm. um and pop like i remember when pop like the video came out with the song and i was like oh my god <laughs> this is so awesome like he was saying chain around his neck that's cool yeah, I thought the InSync videos were incredible. Yeah, InSync definitely had the better videos. They were just kind of like like a little bit edgier in general. Yeah. Like, I mean, Backstreet Boys, you know, they get credit for coming first and kind of setting the template. Yep. I mean, coming first in their generation anyway. Uh, but uh, InSync, I think, yeah, they had the, the, the stronger videos, the stronger songs, uh, and and they were kind of like. It wasn't surprising that that it was someone from Instinct to make the jump to solo adult stardom. Yeah, yeah. someone J.C. Chazet. Yeah, <laughs> you can't go anywhere without talking about mm-hmm. that guy. I will say, yeah, even though I was a big bigger Backstreet Boys fan, it de- like Instinct did a better job of like carving out the different personalities. Like, like J.T. and J.C. were clearly like the front men. Joey was like the funny one. Lance was like the pretty boy. And then, like, Chris was the guy with the hair. Like, that was all you really needed to know. See, like, the interesting thing for me was that, like, while these groups were were, were kind of running the world, uh, I never had any opinions about them as individuals. Like, if you had asked me to name a member of NSYNC, like, even in 1999, 2000, I'm not sure that I could have done oh, it. Oh, wow. Like, and I de- like, even today, like, I have to really think about it to think, okay, that's a song where JC sings lead. That's a song where JT is, you know, it's obviously his, his writing on it, like... For for whatever reason, like once you get into that kind of boy band sphere, like I I, I stop differentiating between individuals, especially when they're they're all kind of packaged the same, they're dancing the same, they're dressed the same. Yeah. Like the only group from that time that I knew very discreetly the members and their individual identities was the Spice Girls because they they all like mm-hmm. were wildly individual and in, in yeah. their personas and stuff. But you you actually like you actually had you know you, did you have a favorite member of Insync at the time? <sighs> I don't I don't really remember. I remember yeah. liking Joey just because like he was the goofy one like. You know, if you watch like the old NSYNC uh, videos, like there's usually at least like one or two funny Joey Fatone moments. Um, but in terms of like musically, I don't I don't think I paid that close attention. I definitely was a huge AJ fan <laughs> in um, 
in Backstreet Boys, like when right. he does the when he does his part in All I Have to Give, like he completely owns that song. Anyway, this is a different podcast. <laughs> no, that, that, that's that's all well and good. And I so as I'm getting getting ahead of myself a little bit asking that question to begin with, uh, I should should mention that we're talking about Justin Timberlake to, yeah. to honor the upcoming release of Man of the Woods, yeah. uh, not Man of the West, which I want to call it every time I, I, I say Man of the West. You just gotta think Man of the Woods. <laughs> that's right. You do do the, the do a little Jack Antonoff there. Uh, yeah, so th- we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday. The album's coming out on a Friday. Justin Timberlake's playing the Super Bowl two days after that. Uh, it's all very exciting, and we w- we wanted to kind of do a run through JT's catalog and some of our favorites and least favorites, and uh, just opinions about the man over the years. Uh, and so, yeah, I did, I did want to start with NSYNC. Uh, you know, we don't have to go through all the NSYNC albums, but you know, just kind of general opinions. Of, did, did you guys have a, have a favorite NSYNC song or album? I know Joe, you're, you're, you said you're not a huge fan, but is there one song that kind of stands out as one of their best, or that you're able to make an exception for? Um, I think "Tearing Up My Heart" is sure. pretty remarkable, and you know, it's very of its age, but it's also I don't want to say timeless, but it's just a great pop song and a great like pump up song have you seen there there's a jg wentworth i believe commercial out currently that like very closely copies the style of the tearing up in my heart tearing up my no. heart video like with kind of you know the, the white shirts and like the, the wind blowing i haven't seen that really i've not cool. seen that it's, it's it's kind of fantastic i recommended tracking it down on youtube if possible but yeah, that, that, that's obviously a classic uh what, what about you? what's your what's your nsync era of choice jason man i mean definitely the no strings attached era um but I would say probably Gone, which which, sure. which is obviously, like, an, an incredible song. It might still be. I will say, though, that, like, legit Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays is, like, one of my top five favorite holiday songs. Like, that's it's just a great song. It's that, a really, really fun song. That entire era, like, the TRL era, is, like, aged very well for their yeah. holiday music, I think. Yeah, yeah. the Hanson holiday album is, is pretty I, supreme. It snowed in, man. Yeah. And you'll, like, I, you'll hear those songs on radio stations next to, like, Bing Crosby and yeah. Mariah Carey. Like, like, it's definitely kind of made that jump to, to the historical canon. I retract my earlier statement. I actually do. I didn't I didn't think about this as an NSYNC song, but this is my by far my favorite NSYNC song is I Drive Myself Crazy. Oh, that's a good one, actually. Which yeah. is, like, a very, like, underrated single but really your, your all-time favorite yeah i, I, I like really love that song yeah uh, like i love like the um like the jc bridge why <laughs> didn't i know it uh great song yeah yeah a good ballads and i mean like the, i think backstreet boys were probably more renowned for their ballads but you know instant kind of picked their spots a little bit better yeah. a little bit more but uh you know, obviously, and you, you mentioned "Gone." I think that's probably my favorite NSYNC song. Yeah. Uh, that between like that and "Girlfriend," also off of the pop album. Yeah. Uh, you, I guess the celebrity. Those, you mean. Oh, I'm sorry, off of celebrity, right? Uh, that those kind of like pointed the way. I think to JT solo, like between those two songs, yeah. kind of got a pretty good sense of what he was going to be yeah. doing once he broke free. But that entire album is pretty great. Like, yeah, celebrity is really good. Yeah, like, I, I love comparing it to like like. Just, just like music that sounds like it's being recorded inside of a pinball machine. Yeah. Uh, and there's kind of bells and whistles and high scores and all, all crazy sound effects going everywhere. And it almost sounds like it was inf- like like influenced by like Aphex Twin and like Square Pusher and like very like avant dance guys of their time period. And it kind of pushed the envelope for pop production and it showed that they had, you know, obviously weightier concerns than, than, than teen pop and TRL life and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I would definitely say that... Um you know the the two big albums uh, for those boy bands were Millennium for Backstreet Boys and um, uh, No Strings Attached sure. for NSYNC, and I think that NSYNC definitely like pushed themselves more or like were pushed more, I guess, mm-hmm. however you want to describe it, with this follow up celebrity like Black and Blue from Backstreet Boys is just a little bit more of the same, um, still really good, but uh, yeah, the um, the celebrity album like really like you said like it really did like try to 
incorporate way more like hip hop and R and B. And then you had like this big ballad with gone and, and pop is like the, the obviously the, the big single, but like, yeah, it, um, it was a great album. Yeah. Uh, so do you guys remember like the first time you saw or experienced JT solo was, was it at the VMAs that year or did you hear one of the songs on the radio? Like what was your first impression of JT post NSYNC? I know my sister bought the album as soon as it came out and I listened to it. Well, I remember also that when it came out, Rolling Stone ran a four-star review of it. Mm-hmm. And oh, I don't remember that. That was very surprising because, you know, they weren't, like, exactly on the sync train. I, th- yeah. I think they were in on a Celebrity as well, if I remember correctly. It might have yeah. been, yeah. Um, but couple that with her having the CD in the room next to mine, mm-hmm. I immediately put it on and was, like, very knocked out by it. I can't remember if I was already a Neptune's fan at that point. Um but like, like I love you, and just I mean, also Senior Rita is like the most fun. So right. like, basically, the second it came out, I was a fan, and I was not a big NSYNC fan before then. But um, by virtue of a, a Rolling Stone review, and <laughs> very easy Rolling access, Stone getting the kids into NSYNC, and basically, sure, yeah. yeah. I do remember that like I love you performance where it was like Justin Timberlake's first solo performance. Yeah, and the the thing that stood out to me was that I was a Clips fan. Like so, like the you know, because I loved like um, when the last time and um, and grinding, sure. and I just remember thinking like, even though they had done a song with like Nelly, I was just like, man, like Justin Timberlake got clips on his it, first it, isn't, single. That's isn't Malice like wearing like a that? Patty Cake Man T-shirt in the video in the, in the in the VMAs performance? It's it's something. I don't remember. I, I have no idea. Like you should go back and watch that sometime. He he looks like a nine year old dressing up as Michael Jackson. He's got this like gigantic boombox set. Like. Like you watch that that performance, and it's fifty fifty whether or not this thing is going to work or not. Like yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's it, I mean the song like I love you I think is one of his best songs. Yeah, uh, I agree. And and like an incredibly weird pop song like like it's got like four different bridges and it's got you know the, the cliffs rap and it's got like the weird outro, uh, but it's it's got an amazing energy and an awesome hook and uh, but yeah like it, it it's. It, it, like you, you go back and you look at some of like the the early reviews and some of the early uh, you know the, the first week sales and things like that and it was it was a hit, but it seemed like people were kind of hedging their bets with him yeah. a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't a sure thing that this guy was going to be a superstar. So it's like when, when do you remember like knowing for for a fact this guy was going to be like the next guy? Um, I think it was probably Crimey River. Okay. Like I think that like I remember like I love you was like you described it. Like it, I, I loved it. I thought it was such an awesome song. Um. And, and I just remember it not being that huge, but I remember when uh, Crimey River it just was way more like pervasive and um, and obviously you had like the whole Britney Spears thing sure. and and like people people seemed to pay more attention to Crimey River, um, so that was kind of when it was like oh man like he's and then it was so it, it was like I love you then Crimey River then Rock Your Body and then yep. Senorita those were the four singles so for, for me it was Rock Your Body like. I, I maybe I was projecting when asking Joe earlier. I was definitely at the height of my like indie snob phase in 2002, 2003. So like I was I was really not repping for most mainstream pop music. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't deny Rock Your Body. Like I, I saw that. I remember I was sick sick home from school one day and I saw the video on MTV and it's a, it's a pretty cool video too. But although he his his beatboxing breakdown is maybe a little bit excessive. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like it's just such a great disco song and like an amazing hook. And the, the back and forth, the the, the, the male and female vocal. Uh, like the, that song, I found totally irresistible, and not, and I was hooked from there. And Joe, you already mentioned Senorita. I mean, is that like the best fourth single of any pop album in history? Without it, I mean, I think yeah, it's like yeah. the best song on the album uh-huh. uh, for me personally. At any rate, I just did a karaoke like two weeks really? ago. Really? Um, so did, 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 did you get was, a good call and response? Oh, I got some great call and response. Oh, very nice. Um, no, but for me, what you were saying, like, when did you realize he was like 
the guy like it was also rock your body because that was when it was just this monster single like like i love you is also i think that and senior reader are the best songs but crimea sure. river obviously a smash that was just played over and over on the radio but that was the same thing with rock your body and by the time he had a song that was just like endlessly on the radio i was like okay like this is not a fluke this isn't just the in-sync guy like getting a big hit this is like a guy who's going to be around. for sure yeah yeah uh and, and real quick not not necessarily jt specific but shout out to the neptunes in 2002 man they, they, this just they murdered it, lord man. willen by the cliffs they had hot in here by nelly they they had pascavoisier they, they had like a half dozen other just major hits i'm a slave for you was that oh two it might have been it was either oh one or was 02. the britney album joe it was I can't around remember. Then. It was a one or a two, and then of course in search of right, yeah, was that right? I knew there was another big one I was missing. And there's a, a NERD shout out on like I love oh, you it was when they say oh, that. Was I just brain. Want your yeah. brain. Yeah, Britney was uh, late one. But yeah, what a year! What a run! I know. Just unbelievable. That's... Yeah, I just remember. I remember like going back to Crimea River, which is when I really had that kind of epiphany about him. Like, I just remember the 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 end of that song is like so <laughs> like moving and like it's so like ballsy like for lack of a better word like if that really goes for it yeah, like with it's the a nice build. with the core like with the choir and just like the sound effects and the falsetto at the end like i was just like whoa this is this is crazy. Yeah, like, that was actually a song. Like I, I remember, like you know, I was I was, I was writing it for for Styles Magazine back in the day, and like that that made our year end songs list. And I listened to it. I was like, oh, I'm not that impressed by this, but like like one time I, I caught it and I was like really paying attention to like the production and yeah, like the, the way it swells and kind of the little things in the song. And it really is like a remarkable achievement. Yeah. for a pop song. Yeah, uh, and and I gotta say, like you know, Justified gets a little dwarfed historically by the album that comes after it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we'll obviously talk about soon, but I, for for me, justified is 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 every bit as essential. I, I, I think it's it's you know especially for for kind of catching the Neptunes in that peak moment and, and Justin Timberlake as he was just kind of starting to discover his sound and his vibe and like the, the, the really there really aren't that many bad songs on it. The second half tails off a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, there, there's still some really good deep cuts towards the end. And I I, I, I for for me, it's right up there. How do you guys kind of rate it in his in his overall catalog? I like Future Sex more, but I I do think like. I don't I never really grab like maybe you guys can talk to the non singles more but mm-hmm. like I never really you know like embrace the non just like the justified non singles as much as the, I loved the singles but I just never really I think the third track which I can't remember the name of it's the oh no uh, Mr. JT got? what you got oh, for no. me yeah. that's just like honestly I think as good as most of the singles I think there are sure. a number of songs album tracks on that that I think are as strong uh, right, as most of the singles right for me which I think is like I think it might be a Timbaland song it's, it's, in, it's on the second half of the album uh, one of one of his all time best uh, grooves beats whatever I gotta, uh, yeah I gotta check it I get it because I, I just I need to listen to it again I remember in the moment and you know I tried to go back to it later it just never really clicked for me but yeah it, it does get a little watery towards the end mm-hmm. like totally. it, it, it gets a little kind of you know conventional r&b I the guess. last song yeah. is terrible but yeah, honestly yeah. the last song on future sex love sounds is terrible too so well is, is that are you talking about losing my way you're talking about another you know, song yeah really? oh yeah so, so i think you're talking about losing, and losing my, way. my way is bad too losing my way is not good but uh, what do you have against uh, another little song that, that, that's, that's it's really slam cool it's not nah, you're, nah. you're crazy man yeah, I, don't, I don't agree with that but, but well, we'll get to that in a minute but so before we kind of move to the second album you know we, we the three of us did this did a, a similar podcast like this uh, about taylor swift when we did taylor swift we had to talk about taylor and kanye at the vmas and so when we do justin timberlake we got to talk about him in Super, Super Bowl, Bowl. Yeah. Uh, 
were you guys watching live? Do you have any kind of memories of, of when it happened? Your, when you first found out about it? Like I, so I watched that Super Bowl. This is a, a true, true story. O- only true stories <laughs> on the Pop Shop podcast. I watched the Super Bowl, but it was a Sunday night, and I was in high school, and I had homework to do. So I stepped <laughs> away during the halftime show, and I did not see wow. it. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't watch it at all. Like okay. I'm not a big sports guy, and this. Um, but you are a big Janet Jackson guy. I like Janet. Yeah, I mean, I just this is one of this was first when I got to school to college, okay. um, and it just you know like watching the Super Bowl seemed like the least exciting thing I could possibly do at that point. <laughs> um, and so when when all the like kerfuffle happened, I was extremely confused. I like the way people were talking about it. I was like, oh my god, was there a fully exposed breast? And right. it wasn't until weeks later because YouTube didn't exist at this time. Um, that I saw it and I was like, wait, that's it? There's like, it's a, it's a breast, but it's pretty well covered up. Like, it, the whole thing just confused me. To this day, I mean, I, I also didn't watch it live. I was not a sports fan in high school. Uh, it became one later in life. But uh, to this day, I don't think I've ever actually seen the performance. I've, I've seen, you know, gifs of the moment. Uh, yeah. And like, you, you kind of saw that endlessly on like, you know, I was a big part of like webboard culture back in high school. Yeah. So like, you, you would see it, you know, a hundred times a week. But, I can't imagine what it was like to witness this live. Like, yeah. I, I, I wonder if it would even register. I, I wonder if, if if you would think that like you, that that it was it was it was part of it, and like you we thought you saw you didn't actually see. Like, I, I can't imagine kind of processing this in real time. Yeah, it's something that like so many people have tried to like scrub from our memories at this point. <laughs> and also, like the NFL would never talk about it. Sure. Like Timberlake. I mean, Janet's talked about it, but like. Yeah, I mean, she but she also wants to move on from it. She's not going to linger on it. But yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about it again now, but because of the Super Bowl. But like, and it's a retrospe- retrospective. But yeah, it's just like this. I, I I think I feel like in like another fifteen years, people like will be like, yeah, like this happened, and people will be like, what? Like, are you like? I feel like they won't. I don't have... know. It was such a big FCC thing. Like yeah. they actually like laws kind of changed right, because yeah. of it. Like so I, I feel like, delay, right? yeah, like I feel like it, it'll be taught in school in a way. Like, well, past <laughs> media majors certainly. Media we'll, majors we'll will know about, about this yes. possibly like long after Justin Timberlake has been forgotten. No offense, Justin. Yeah, that, that, that's very fair. That's and, fair. and obviously, this is you know this has been resurfacing in the news the last couple months in the lead up to, to Super Bowl. What are we up to? 52, 52 now 52 yeah uh do you guys have any sort of strong feelings about the way justin timberlake's handled it in the, in the interim years do you, do you feel like he's getting a fair shake an unfair shake he's never i i think that the kind of general consensus is that he's never been the best at handling this right um but i think that I think that if Twitter was around back then, he it would have been way worse for him. Yeah, it's hard to even imagine. Like just in terms of like the think pieces and like dissecting like his reaction, and it, it, it's kind of good for him that it happened in two thousand four, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was talking about this a little bit with uh, with our coworker Ross, uh, and like I, I've you, you listen to to. Justin's like most contrite songs or like his, his breakup songs. It's rare that he really takes responsibility for yeah. his music. Like he, he's kind of like like that. His brand is sort of infallibility. Yeah, and so I, I feel like I, I don't know if that made it harder for him to apologize or if it just makes other makes our reaction to it. It makes it seem like this is just not something something that he's capable of is kind of expressing remorse and yeah. And I, I think that 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 results in us kind of coming hard coming down on him harder than we might have otherwise. Uh, what about you, Joe? What was, what was your feelings about it after the fact? Yeah, I mean, I feel like what he said in interviews, like he hasn't handled it the best, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I, he's not the villain in this situation. No. I feel like 
the idea that people have that he like threw her under the bus. I mean, I've the things I've read that he said about it do not come across that way to me. Like, you know, this, he's not he's ultimately not the one you know pulling the strings and who derailed her career after this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of the the same thing that we were, that we talk about with with Bruno Mars after the Grammys. Like, Bruno Mars didn't do anything wrong necessarily. Yeah, in, in a winning a bunch example. of awards, right? But he also didn't put himself out there really to kind of step in front of anything and say like, hey, you know, that this is. Uh, this is not the way things necessarily should be, and I understand. Like, I mean, maybe this is unrealistic to expect Bruno Mars to do, but I understand my, you know, that I'm coming from a place of advantage, and that, uh, you know, that that certain other types of music are, are underrepresented at this yeah. thing. Uh, it's probably unrealistic. Probably a little unrealistic. I'm not saying he has to say that all in his acceptance speech, but he could have at least alluded to a world beyond himself. Yep. And Justin Timberlake could have done a little bit more at the time to say, like, hey, I. I un- like I appreciate that you guys aren't letting this affect my career, but you know you shouldn't be treating Janet this way either, and that, that this, yeah, this lifetime ban exactly. or whatever the NFL enacted is ridiculous. And he didn't really stick his neck out for her. Yeah, he could have uh, come out stronger. But but he has in like in in interviews since he he has expressed those kind of opinions and he's, he's acknowledged his own uh, privilege and and you know extended more of an arm to her than, than he had previously. So. Is there a way to kind of make this right at the next Super Bowl? You think, or is it better for him to just kind of leave it alone? And he's going to leave it alone. I think it's, I think it might be better for him to leave it. I I joked on Twitter like a month or two ago when they announced him that like he should read like a nine minute apology (laughs) in in his fifteen minutes to Jan Jackson. I mean, like the problem the problem is that like I was joking when I said that, but and the problem is that like there's no like great way like i mm-hmm. like would you want him to like cover a janet jackson song no, no. would you want him to be like Sh- here's to janet jackson like one of the greatest ever like that would feel kind of weird like there's just no the best way he can do it is just like to kind of do what he's already done a little bit which is just like talk about it in the press and and be like yeah this was like you know, a mistake and you know like probably could have said something a little bit stronger but you know, I don't think I don't. I just don't know how he would do it. Well, I guess the only thing would be if 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 she was willing to to bring her out for a guest appearance or something. Yeah, but I don't know if that really. I don't, I don't know if that's that, in her best interest. Yeah, really. exactly. It's just like remember and that reminds people. Yeah, of that, exactly. And that's something they both don't want to be. Yeah. about. That's probably true. So I, I think he probably has to grit his teeth and get through this thing. Yeah, but it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be tough for him to come away with this with good headlines I think like I don't know I mean I feel like you might be right about the headlines but like uh-huh. the people who already have the pitchforks out are going to keep poking yeah. him but the vast majority of America is not the blogosphere or the right. like woke Twitter like most people are just going to be like Justin Timberlake a very entertaining performer who is on SNL and makes me laugh sometimes <laughs> I enjoy the Super Bowl halftime show like yeah. most yeah. people are going to be nonplussed and not even think about that yeah and maybe he'll bring out Jimmy Fallon too Probably. Oh, man. They'll probably just do an you oh. sketch. <laughs> That's the entire Super Bowl. All right. All right. Well, we got we to gotta get back into the uh, into the, to the album recounting here. So let's let's talk about Future Sex Love yeah. Sounds. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's it's his you know kind of accepted masterpiece, a gigantic commercial success, more with Timbaland than with the Neptunes this time. Uh, Sexy Back was his first number one hit and definitely a song that kind of made a lot of people take him seriously where, where otherwise they might not have before. Now, I'm going to interrupt you. And say, speaking of Sexy Back, so you did a ranking of every Justin Timberlake song. I did. That's true. And you had Sexy Back number one. Would you, if you say so? Would you still have it number one? Uh, certainly for the purposes of that article, I would. I don't know if I'd necessarily <laughs> call it like my you know, personal go-to Justin Timberlake jam, but I do think that like, yeah, if you were to explain Justin Timberlake's greatness in one song, I think Sexy Back would be the song you'd go for. Okay. You sound like you disagree. No, I love Sexy Back. I don't know if it would be my number one. 
Use like, my ringtone for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, my too, it's too fitting for you, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, do you remember when that song came out that every newspaper headline, magazine oh, yeah. cover line like was always, so-and-so is bringing blah back. Did you obnoxious. It was so bad. Do you remember Al Gore, like that year's VMAs, talking about bringing sexy back? I probably. I honestly do not remember that. That was a thing that happened. I'm I'm fairly sure, anyway. But uh, yeah, it definitely became bringing climate change awareness (laughs) back. I I think it was like that, basically. Uh, But yeah, definitely became part of the culture and you know a huge hit, and and the success just kept on rolling from after that. Uh, do you, so Jason, you want, you want to just kind of riff on, on future sex love sounds for a minute? As the... Yeah. I mean, my whole thing is so for the 10 year anniversary, a couple years ago, I wrote this thing when I was at fuse, shout out to fuse, um, that I said that like the first half of future sex love sounds is like, if it was on its own, it would be like the best pop mm-hmm. album of the century. Actually, so since you quoted me to me, I'm going to quote you to you because okay. a, a, a friend of mine was, was doing some Timberlake digging recently and found you a quote from you saying that it was the best first half of a pop album since off the wall or thriller yeah yeah i i think that's true i think that every the first the for the run of the first six songs is like just like enormous like that i mean you're getting um you're getting uh the title track sexy back um let me talk to you sexy ladies sexy ladies my love love stoned what goes around comes around there's some jams right there Holy crap, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's unbelievable. And obviously, it falls off after that. Um, but that is, that's untouchable to me. Totally. Yeah, it's it's a pretty dynamite run. And even though it does fall off in the second half, it doesn't fall all the way off. It doesn't fall yeah. all the way off. But compared to that height. And, and the, the sure. whole thing is also when you listen to it straight through, like, you know, you have that intro to my love. Like, you know, you have these. So good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all about it. You have. My love might be my number one favorite Timberlake song. Uh, disqualified for one reason. I'm pretty sure you know what the reason is. Candle guy. Candle guy. No, I love. I love that. You they can't call honestly T. try to they defend Candle, Candle guy. guy. They did not call. No one has ever called Ti Candle uh, guy. Never no, happened. No, I don't know. Not, I was. Not, not the, the thing is also that that was like, you, you know, when when sometimes you have these pop projects or hip hop projects that have like like one or two guest rappers mm-hmm. and. They're usually like the rapper of the moment, and when that song hit, it was such a moment for Ti. Sure. Like I, I remember having it. Like I had a, this is so lame of me to remember, but like <laughs> I, I, um, I had like a mix CD where the first song was My Love, and then the second song was Ti What You Know, and it was like my favorite album for like a year, and <laughs> I, start. I, and it was just like yeah, and it was just unbelievable. Shout out to the Three Six Mafia as well, right? Three Six on, uh, Mafia. Chop me um, yeah, what an album! What uh, an album. Yeah, d- 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 some bangers on that one for sure. Do you, you have a favorite on that one, Joe? I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, I think I, you know, not to just echo Jason, sure. but I think my love is probably the strongest okay. one, and the the opener to that is just like pure genius. Like yeah. it's so interesting and unnecessary, risky. Um, but I mean, yeah, like what goes around is incredible. Summer love is fantastic. I think in terms of like deep cuts like damn girl which i think was Ooh, on so our, good yeah. it's so yeah. good like so good. it's him doing like prince doing ridiculous prints and it <laughs> yeah. just works so well Me, it's so cheesy uh. and funky um yeah and i mean it's cool that three six mafia is on there i mean i think the last few songs do definitely kind of keep it from being a perfect album uh in losing my way he does rhyme job with bob <laughs> which is pretty it's a pretty tough stumble to get over yeah, yeah it's a hard workaround 
uh, got a shout out Love Stone. Uh, was probably my personal oh, favorite yeah. song on the album. So yeah, that was uh, my when the album was out. Love Stone was my favorite mm-hmm. song on the album, and um, it was like my favorite song of that year. Uh, so you talked about indie snobbery. That was like '06 was like the height of my indie. Oh, snobbery. It was a good year for indie. My snobbery, favorite album that correctly. year was East by Joanna Newsom, um, and like Silent Shout by The Knife. But like Boom. I had such a huge like I I had so much love for that Timberlake album. That was like the one. Mm-hmm. pop album and like that and like the Nelly Furtado album that like really like rocked me well uh, this was at least Justin Timberlake kind of meeting the indie snobs halfway yeah. he does he starts kind of messing with like interesting song structures and and you know these epics that last for six or seven minutes and multi parts and uh you know weird soundscapes and all that uh you could argue that uh this this was sort of like the point before he he, he takes it too far yeah you know even I think uh you know, I, I remember like the What Goes Around video with, yeah. with Scarlett Johansson, yeah. uh, directed by uh, one of the Cassavetti sons, I think. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a bad video, and it's like yeah. 10 minutes long, but not that much happens, which which becomes a recurring <laughs> trend with Justin Timberlake in the future. Uh, but this this album, like the, you know, every pop star has one album like this where it's just everything works. Yeah, and and this was certainly it for him. Even you know, even like the the cover of him, like sure. I was just gonna say, trampling yeah. on the disco ball, just like a, a like a perfect image of. Like it's so memorable, and you know he had the shaved head at that point, and the mm-hmm. the suit, and yeah, man, it was the, what an what an era. Like what a, like you think about like pop eras for certain artists, like that one was like nuts, no and, doubt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the cover is just so smart too because it tells you it's like okay, disco ball. This is a dance album, yeah, but this is a new kind of dance. I'm smashing <laughs> smashing the, the dance old album. kind of dance and moving on into something else. And like the energy yeah. with that leg up in the air before right before it comes down. It's yeah. very smart. As if disco didn't have a hard enough time right. in the early 80s. Yeah. Now Justin Timberlake's got to come around and just, just put a boot to it. And you know what really would have killed the album cover, though, is if it was the exact same thing, but he still had that bleached blonde poodle hair, ooh. the curls, and you would look at it and you'd be like, oof, I don't know if, I, don't know if uh, I want to buy this one anymore. I'm glad that the curls got mentioned on the podcast. I, yeah. I love looking back at some of those old photos. and like His, his hair just like looks like straight up pasta. It's, yes. it's unbelievable. It really is like... That ramen haircut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> if you, you really think like him and Harry Styles, like, both did the exact same thing they had like these very famous like haircuts when they were in the boy band and they were mm-hmm. they were like gotta get rid of it i'm solo now let's go <laughs> yeah it was it was a good good symbolic gesture on his part so you, you were talking about kind of this being like the era of justin timberlake and you know, his pop supremacy he was on a number one song that wasn't on this album from this year do you remember what it was so is this the tim the timberland nelly furtado Give it to me. Give it to me. That's that's absolutely correct. It's like the, the number least, one hit, least memorable song ever. But uh, yeah, know, that was yeah, like you're, you're squinting at me, Joe. Did you? That was. I barely remember that. that song. So it, it was basically just a, a total momentum number one for yeah for for him for Timbaland and for Nelly Furtado and obviously Nelly Furtado and Timbaland also had a, a major album together at the time. Uh, and it's basically just the three of them taking shots for three verses. I think uh, uh, Timbaland takes shots at Scott Storch. It was rumored that Fergie that Fergie was the the the, the recipient of Nelly Furtado's kind of subtweets. Wow. Uh, and Justin Timberlake, they say, was actually uh, returning fire against Prince, who was apparently not a fan of Sexy back. And uh, Justin Timberlake has the line like, "Oh, sexy, never left. That how come everybody's on my shit?" Oh wow! And like, I that, that was the number one single in two thousand and eight. Yeah, it's it, it's not just very be- good. I actually, I mean, it's it's not like a classic, certainly, yeah. but it's kind of a fun, just like you know, three pop stars at the top of their game, just kind of swagging out on everybody. Like you, you can't really, you can't really hit on that. I joked for a while that I wanted to write a book about Timbaland's two thousand six, just like yeah. documenting every 
because he had like some other amazing like he had that song i don't know if you remember there's this young gc song 3 a.m which is like one of my favorite young gc songs and uh and tim lynn did that and he did nelly furtado and he did his own album and he did future sex love sounds like what a year that's like the greatest producer year ever yeah it was kind of like when we were talking at a meeting recently about the the second wave that pharrell had in 2014 where like after five yeah. years or so of just not really being the guy he came back and had three of the biggest hits of the year and was all of a sudden the biggest producer in the world again yeah. now it started the same thing with, with timbaland at the time like when, when he, he and jt were yeah. on this album he was you know he, he was at probably the lowest point of his career mm-hmm. but yeah the him and then nelly and then this song and, and now he's 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 you know lording over Scott Storch again. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's a pretty incredible turnaround. And another uh, JT and and Timbaland song for this period that I want to talk about is AO Technology. You guys remember that? song? Oh, I loved yes. that song. Oh, it, what it's, a terrible song that I love. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it, it's such a straight rip of everything going on on 2020 experience, oh and like just God. 50 Cent kind of talks over it a little bit, but uh, it kind of shows you like what kind of what power those two guys had at the time. That 50 Cent, it was. Not not long before when they're the biggest rapper in the world is just kind of stealing pages out of their playbook. It's pretty incredible. I mean, the, literally, that song is about like, hey, technology exists that <laughs> we we humans don't need to have sex with each other anymore, but Ayo. we still should. That's the that's the, the it's part a beautiful of that moral, song. Jason. Yeah. Are you really gonna try to hate on that? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that song's insane. Yeah, that's um, a weird one. Also, around that time period, we have Four Minutes, another yes. Justin Timberlake, oh, Timbaland, song. Madonna song. Oh, this song's great. You're yeah, crazy. Yeah, that, that was Madonna Very showing catchy. up 10 minutes too late, or four yeah. minutes too late, I guess. But The beat uh, sounds like it's farting. The beat does sound farting. But honestly, all of Timbaland's beats sound like farts. <laughs> the so. good ones, Absolutely anyway. Yeah. No, that is true. Yeah. So, well, so, so <laughs> after this period, Justin Timberlake, you know, he kind of sits on the sidelines for a while from the music world, but he does like a million other things, uh, movies and restaurant endorsements and sports award shows and stuff like that. Do you guys have like a favorite non-musical Justin Timberlake memory from from this period? I mean, social network. Um, but honestly, like I remember, uh, you know, when I was like a junior staffer at Billboard, just like in 2011, 2012, like just like people, we would talk about like Timberlake as like this sleeping giant yeah. that like when is this guy going to come back I mean the fact like we'll get to it but it took seven years to come back that's like for someone who had that much success with future sex love sounds like having that long of a break was just like it was it was kind of mind-boggling in my head it was even longer than seven years yeah. like looking back on it now seven years doesn't seem like that that long a time yeah. like we've had artists go four or five years it was just so big it yeah. was just like yeah, it's true. It, it, yeah, you're right. It wasn't that long, but yeah. It, it definitely felt like it at the time. But yeah, Social Network, uh, one of my favorite movies of the century probably. And, and you know, Timberlake, he, he got some kind of flack. I think people thought he wasn't really trying that hard in it or that he was just kind of playing a version of himself. But I, I thought it was perfect casting. I yeah. can't imagine anybody else in that role. Yeah. But like, it, it just like to go back to the seven years thing, I guess like the, the closest comparison is like, so it's been two years almost exactly since the last Rihanna album. Mm-hmm. Like imagine if she didn't release another album for five years, right. like people would be like, what the hell is going on with Rihanna? Like we need another, it's, <laughs> it's 2023. Where the hell is Rihanna? Yeah, like, e- even she, how long was it in between uh, unapologetic and anti? It was like three or four years, right? It was, it was like, like three, and, uh, three yeah. and a half. Yeah, somewhere and and there. that certainly felt like an eternity yeah. too. So yeah, like double that. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Do you have any any, any fond JT memories from this 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 memorable period of inactivity? No I mean, attached. I think at this point, like it's it's overplayed. But I I would like to bring us back to a time before it existed, and the first time that you watched Dick in a Box, Hilarious. it was just like astonishingly funny. Like no it was 
it was a great like unexpected joke and the song like sounded like a real song that would be on the radio yeah it, well it, it was and it, it kind of had like the early 90s swag and, and that was yes. like before that was a cool thing to revive exactly yeah so that, that was kind of funny I was like, mean, oh yeah i remember these cultural too many douchey halloween costumes <laughs> later like it's not really that funny but like I mean, Lonely Island was on fire at the time, and no you know that was such a smart move for Timberlake to like show off comedy chops, but also seem a little indie cool because like Lonely Island was very. I mean, they got their start like underground. Well, not underground is not the right word, but like you know, videos online that like the cool kids liked, basically. Yeah, yeah and, and proto YouTube stuff too. Right? Pre YouTube, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that that song was this is definitely a major part of the JT story. I think you returned to it a couple years later. Remember that that Lady Gaga song, the Three Way? Yeah. It was fine it was all right yeah that was i don't you know it was a bad justin timberlake song um in like i guess like 2010 the other the shock value 2 song carry out carry out carry on that That song was that song was okay but it's it's another like jt extended food metaphor yeah which which he dips into like a couple times too many in this period and it was probably bad portent of things to come so yeah speaking of so in 2013 uh you know the uh, the, the the alarms blare and uh, we we find out that uh, that he's coming back with the 2020 experience. Uh, turns out to be one of two uh, 20 tracks of Justin Timberlake after having zero for six years, yeah. seven years, uh, two and a half hours. Yeah, and then they're they're not short tracks either. They are they are distinctly long tracks. And you know, at the time, I think every everyone was really glad to have him back. Uh, I remember the reception to Suit and Tie wasn't necessarily overly positive. But when the album came out, it basically got great reviews everywhere. It sold something like 900,000 copies in its first week. Uh, you know, he has yeah. the, the Lifetime Achievement thing at the VMAs. He does pretty well at the Grammys. And five years later, I don't, I don't know who's reffing for this album still. What's, what's, what's your enduring memory of 2020 experience? Um, I like it. I, I mean, I, th- I think that it's a, I mean, let's talk about part one sure. for well, right now. Although I, I'll, I'll interrupt you just to say that, like looking back on them now, I really do think that, that, that I, I do consider them together. I think they are two parts of kind of the yeah, same probably album true. experience. So, um, part one, at least, uh, it's. A, I think it's a really good album. I, I, I think that like some of the songs are too long. Um, to me, it's just like it. It goes from Future Sex Love Sounds, where he's just like a solo star, and he's like single and it's all about sex and like 2020 experience is just like how about how he's married and like mm-hmm. how he's happy and how he's found peace and like i don't know i i it, it was actually kind of moving um and, and the fact that like you know he was so like he i think he really handled like that subject in an interesting way mm-hmm. and it wasn't like sleepy like obviously like you know it has personal relevance to me because i walked down the aisle when i got married to mirrors so like that is true i, I, I get I it. like it. i i get it and like um but like i i just think that it's really interesting like the way he did it um there are some parts of that album that don't really work um but for the most part like you know um push your love girl and i'm not a big suit and tie fan actually tunnel vision mirrors let, i love let the groove get in like i think that song's great well, so so my experience listening to let the groove get in and, and a number of the other songs you mentioned really most songs from this period in general is like three minutes in i'm like oh man this is a good song like i, I forgot how good a song yeah. this is why don't i like this song more and then i get to the five minute mark and i'm reminded of why i don't like the song more because yeah. it keeps going and then it's six minutes seven minutes and and I, I don't mind long songs i'm a long song guy especially yeah. like from artists that don't normally do them i think that's cool yep but he just doesn't have the ideas to sustain them. Yeah. And that gets to be a problem because every single song, like even the songs that I love on this album, there are also some songs that I love on this album, I'll talk about it more in a second, but 
every one of them goes on two, three minutes. Why did he, does he ever? Has he ever talked about why he did that? I don't think I've ever read. I remember at the time he had some quotes about how he was like, I think he was like really getting into like Pink Floyd and Queen. And he's like, <laughs> well, why can't we do this for pop songs? And I mean, and I think the interesting thing is that most, like, this is how most pop songs are made. I mean, like, you go back to the '80s, like a lot of times they would record a pop single and the, the studio version might run nine minutes and then yeah. they, they cut it down mercilessly to get to the best three. Um, you know, the, I think the original Ray of Light from, I mean, this is of course not 80s, but um, the original Ray of Light ran nearly 10 minutes and then they cut it down into true? something that made huh. sense for a single. Um, and I just think like what, they could have done that with this and it would have been, and then, you know, maybe cut the track list in half and it could have been another near masterpiece. Um, but they let it kind of breathe out, and you know that's its own creative decision. But it certainly makes for an exhausting complete listen. For sure, yeah. It's like an album of twelve inch versions, basically. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did want to ask you this. I don't know if I ever actually like talk to you about like why you chose Mirrors or how you how you how you came to that that decision to walk down the aisle to it. Was that was that a you or Vanessa decision? Or? That was a me decision. Okay. Um, part of the reason why was because um, we. <sighs> We were just starting date. Eh, we had date, been dating for a little bit when uh, Mirrors came out in like February 2013. But we took a trip around that time, and we and Mirrors had just come out, and we just loved Mirrors, and we listened to it like a million times. It was just like one of the songs that we listened to a million times. And then when we were um, planning our wedding, um, I was like, "We got to walk down the aisle to Mirrors," okay. and like. Um, she wouldn't be shy to say that my, my wife like was not into it. Like, she's like, <laughs> well, not into it. She was just like, how is that going to work? Like what? So I, but I had it so specifically in my head where it's like, I would come out and the whole wedding um, party would walk down the aisle and we time it so that uh, when the song flips to the place where it gets a little bit quieter and the, the, you are, you are the love of my life. Vanessa would come out and walk down the aisle the funny thing is that the song was so long that I we actually had to when we were like rehearsing, people were moving too quickly <laughs> that I was like, all right, just like take your time walking down the aisle because like basically everybody had to walk down in like thirty second allotments. So it was a little bit of Bridezilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't move too fast. Uh, typical. typical yeah. Uh, so before we move on from from this album, one song I think we, we do have to mention is "Blue Ocean Floor," which is maybe the biggest uh, the biggest anomaly in the entire Justin Timberlake catalog. <laughs> just this absolutely gorgeous, atmospheric seven minute closing ballad sounds more like a Frank Ocean song than Justin Timberlake. Can you song. imagine just just interviewing Justin Timberlake solely about "Blue Ocean Floor"? That's I can. Oh my god, yeah. that's all I want to talk be about. Awesome. It, you're, you're you're a big fan of this song, right, Joe? Yeah, it's a beautiful song, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that's the thing that the length of this album affords is a few. different versions that maybe otherwise if it was like a tight pop album would not have been allowed um but unfortunately then you get some some direct with that but but yeah this i mean that's a it's a gorgeous song yeah and and there is a great album to be had here and i I actually did like an edit once i think when i was writing for pop dust where i I took like five songs from the first album and five songs from the second album and made like the 10 out of 10 experience so so it was my very i think well well, Uh, i I like that but i think there's also just something that needs to happen with the editing of the songs like what you were saying like some of the seven minute ones could easily be four and then you know then somehow you've got your perfect album for sure yeah, yeah. uh and, and some of the songs on the second album uh that are, that are sort of a note drink you away was kind of his first delving into country mm-hmm. which we may hear more of in a couple of days to come uh and uh my personal favorite is a sort of an underrated song i think called the not a bad thing it was the last that was track a big on the hit. album yeah well it, that it was a big hit but like do, do you really remember that song being no a big hit? no one like, remembers it yeah. but the, the whole thing has had like a viral video 
but I think the viral video is almost the problem. Like it was too cute a video, yeah. and it might, it might have kind of overshadowed overshadowed the song a little bit. Yeah. I think that's a really lovely song. Like yeah. that's, that's one of his best love songs, I think. Yeah, I I, I like that song. I like "Drink You Away." Um, my my like lasting um, memory of 2020 Experience Part Two was that. It came out, um, I was in Vegas for the iHeart Radio Festival, mm-hmm. and he was the headliner, and like 2020 Experience Part 2 like came out either like the next day or like that day, and I hadn't heard it yet or something like that, and I remember he played a bunch of songs from it, including like that True Blood song and like some of the others. <laughs> kind of like that goofy-ass True Blood what's song. What's the Drake song? Cabaret. Cabaret. Like he did that stuff, and I was just like, uh, Yeah. Here's one thing I'll say about that. I feel like when twenty or twenty twenty experience part two came out, people were already fatigued with the oh, length yes. of the first one. Oh, yes. And then they got a second one and they were just like, come on. But I think listening back to them, the second one is pretty much as good as the first. Like I don't think like people were definitely like, Oh, first one was pretty solid, but this one can't deal with it. Like they're pretty much equal in yeah, terms I, of quality. I think if you flipped the release order of the two of yes. them, their the reputations would flip too. I mean, I mean maybe one's a little stronger on the whole, but I, I agree with you, Joe. Like, I, I think that the first one was a little overrated at the time. The second one was definitely a little bit underrated. Yeah. Mm. yeah you're young convinced, Jason. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I think part two is just not it's not there, but I just think I people know. just didn't want it at the time. Yeah, certainly, certainly no one was asking for more Justin Timberlake after the first album. What's interesting is that it it could have worked. Like in theory, like you release like three singles from the first album in the first over like a six month span, and then you're just like, surprise, here's another album. Like here's mm-hmm. another single that you haven't heard yet, and like, but. It, yeah, the, the singles just didn't really work. Yeah, and and then they they released them in a, in a bad order. I think it was like I can't take remember, back the night, it, take back the night, song, yeah. and then TKO, which was oh that like was a, another like tunnel one vision played. part two, uh, and then they did uh, not a bad thing, which I think they always knew was the best of the three singles, yeah. but they were like oh it's 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 too much like mirrors, it was, was going to overlap with that, and so they saved it, and then by the time they they got to it, we were just done with them. Yeah. Uh, but so he disappears for another couple of years after this, uh, and before he comes back with with the new album, he has he just kind of randomly tosses off a number one single in 2016. I can't stop the feeling. Oh, yeah. I feel like our office is very divided on this song. We have, we have, we're very evenly split between people like, oh yeah, that's a fun song. What's your problem with that song? And other people are just like, this is this is like the worst he has to offer. Where, where do you guys fall in the divide here? Where do you fall, Joe? I I thought it was I didn't like it. Um, it's it's just too obviously an attempt to write a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and a summer song, but I will say my feelings towards it changed significantly after seeing the Trolls movie. <laughs> and in the context of the movie, <laughs> the great thing about you, Joe, is I have no idea if you're being serious. I'm or not. not I'm that. not kidding. Okay. In the context of the movie, it like actually fits and makes sense, and made me think it's kind of adorable. All right, so, so you, like you, you, I, I know we're running long here, but you have to explain to me what the context of yeah. the it song was, it was is. In the just, movie Trolls. It's basically just, he, there's the there's a grumpy troll. And they have to convince him to like mm. not be such a grouch and like to open himself up to like the fun in life. And that and the song oh, makes God. sense in that, like in the sense of like a kid's movie, like can't stop the feeling like convincing someone to dance and enjoy sure. life like is actually adorable. But in the sense of just hearing it randomly in a vacuum on the radio, I'm kind of like, oh, this is so like obvious. Well, it's, it's a good thing you saw the movie Trolls then. Well, it was an airplane movie. <laughs> it's yeah. a definitive airplane movie yeah. right there. Uh, I, I will say very similar, so I have not seen the Trolls movie, and I really, really dislike Can't Stop the Feeling. I think it wow. is. I actually think it is his worst single. Um, I just think it's like, I just think it's so lazy. Like, it's just like, I don't know, it's just... 
like it's more lame than lazy to yeah, me. Like I, the songcraft is the pretty songcraft. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. Like that, that's a pop song. I mean, yeah. like maybe it's not like a cutting edge pop song, but like I think there's the, no misplaced note. The line between that and Uptown Funk is not that. Oh uh, no, line, I, I disagree. Think. No, but here's what I will say to can't stop the feeling. Um, maybe like you know, uh, it was like months after. Yeah, it was when the Trolls movie came out. Um, we visited uh, uh, our little niece and nephew who were, I guess were like 10 and 7 at the time, 10 and 6, I guess. And they were so amped about Can't Stop the Feeling because <laughs> like, they had seen the Trolls movie. They loved the Trolls movie. And they were like, yeah, like they just they played Can't Stop the Feeling while we were there for one night like eight times. They're like, let's play it again. And they just knew every word. Like it's such, I, I mean, yeah, it just seems like a, a song. Uh, even that wasn't song. enough to. to no, I mean, no, I, I really dislike this song. Oh, it's a shame. <laughs> but he hates his nieces and nephews. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know mean, he thinks about them every time he hears it. I don't blame him. Uh, so, so actually, do you do you guys remember that Justin Timberlake released an album last year? Very technically. He he and this guy Mitchell Owens did the soundtrack to the Jessica Biel vehicle, The Book of Love. I don't remember that. No, yeah, it's, it's listed remember. on his Wikipedia discography. I, like, I don't know. If I, I dispute that. It that. seems like it's a real thing. Now, I, I don't know if like Mitchell Owens was doing all the work and Justin Timberlake was sitting on the couch going, like, yeah, yeah, sounds great. Like, let's go with that. But it's actually like a kind of lovely, you know, thematic, uh, you know, movie score. It's, 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 it's not, you know, there's only one vocal song on it. It's, it's, him, it's him and the other guy doing a cover with Magnet, Magnetic Field's Book of Love. Huh. Go figure. But, I mean, like, I was listening to it today for the, for definitely for the first time, and I was actually kind of enjoying it. So, I, I don't know. If you're, if you're listening now and you have no idea this thing exists, uh, like you, can, you can go confirm yeah. it for yourself. Check it out on Spotify. We obviously don't have to dwell on that. So, that basically takes us to, to modern day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the more anticipated new Justin Timberlake album, Man of the Woods. Uh, yeah. We've heard uh, three songs from it so far. Uh, one of us, I won't say who, has heard significantly more than that already, but uh, we, we, we don't need to, to talk about that. Uh, but so which, which of the songs have you guys been digging, if at all? Uh, how are you feeling about the rollout, uh, you know, going into Friday? I like Say Something. I like the Stapleton song. We haven't really talked about it before now, but I don't think so. it's definitely, it's definitely a highlight, I think. So I, <clears throat> excuse me, the Stapleton song, Say Something, I, another, like what you were saying with the 2020 stuff, like two minutes into it, I was like, oh, this is solid. And then after four minutes and it's mm-hmm. a pretty repetitive song, I was like, there's say we hear say something, something many <laughs> times. Something. Um, I was just like, oh god, like this needs a rap. Um, what was the first one called again? What was the filthy. first single? Filthy. Doesn't it feel like that came out like five months ago at this point? I would say filthy is not a perfect song, but I appreciate that it's a little risky for him. Um, and mm. it's it's just I called it. We call it risky though. Like I called it B minus. I would on the Must Hear Music podcast. I described it as B minus future sex love sounds, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, B minus, maybe B if you're feeling generous. But yeah, yeah it's certainly in that territory. Uh, Supplies is maybe his worst single. I mean, I, I guess if you're if you're if you're a can't stop the feeling hater, then maybe that ranks below. But uh, yeah, it, it's not. Yeah. It might not be that bad if separated from that music video. But the video is is going to overwhelm memories of that that song. I think for all time. I got nothing. So, do you, I mean, do you guys have hope for this album? Do you, do you have hope for the, the way it'll be received, or is this just going to have to be kind of Justin Timberlake's first time you know, taking a loss? I think we have to hear the full album. Yeah. Honestly, I think he's. This is so ridiculous to say about Timberlake, but like he's an album artist at this point. Like you really, true, you have it? to like take everything as a package um i'm i have no judgment yet even though i yeah i don't like supplies but like mm-hmm. who knows we'll see 
And I got to plead the fifth. Right, yeah. But it, it's worth holding out hope, I think, because you know, we were here you know, a month or two ago talking about reputation. And I think we, most of us were pretty exhausted by that rollout campaign. We had kind of mixed feelings on the advance tracks. Then the album came, and it turned out that you know, the, the narrative leading up to it wasn't really that important. wasn't that big of a part of the overall product. And uh, the, the songs that we heard about from it in advance weren't necessarily representative of, of the, the overall product. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that that's the conversation we're having about this Justin Timberlake album uh, after this weekend. But I'm a little bit skeptical, to be honest. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, so I, I one more question for you guys, which is something I, that I think we're going to talk about on, on Billboard.com in a, in a future article. Uh, but A future sex article? A future Ooh. sex article, yes. Uh, do you consider Justin Timberlake to be the best male pop star of the 21st century? Mm. I would say yes. Okay, and I'll just quickly kind of run down like the artists who I think might be the competition here. I think you're talking about him, Bruno Mars, Justin Bieber, Drake, and then depending on how you kind of want to define pop star, maybe Lil Wayne and Kanye West as well. Yeah, if you put Drake in there, maybe Drake then. It's tough because Drake, you know, Drake doesn't really fit. Like he doesn't yeah. dance. He's not. He, he he's not the same kind of performer. Uh, but he does have pop hits certainly, and he yeah. and enough of them and. Even though Justin Timberlake's been around since the beginning of the century, Drake's done so much more in volume in the, in the time he has been here that uh, that it's probably about equal by now. Drake has like more albums than him. Probably, at this point. yeah, 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 that's true. Though, uh, and maybe even longer albums, although uh, you know, divided more evenly amongst twenty <laughs> tracks. But uh, what do you think? What do you think, Joe? I think it's an interesting question. I think if we're just saying male pop singer or someone primarily mm-hmm. known as singer, um, I still honestly like. I feel like. Album catalog wise, maybe, but honestly, Bruno might have him beat there too. Oh, like, wow, post Grammys, Bruno. Bruno is like a very, you know, I mean, I know the tide has turned against him, but like he is a, a pretty consummate artist um, mm-hmm. who's done a lot of great stuff. Uh, you know, I guess the thing with Timberlake is he had that one album that pushed things forward. Yeah, uh, right. Bruno Mars has not pushed things forward, uh, but he, I think, has certainly been more consistent. So. I don't yeah, know. That's he's, fair. He's, I mean, his his lows are, are, are certainly he has he doesn't he hasn't had like the kind of embarrassments that that Justin Timberlake has kind of suffered in the last five years or so. Yeah, uh, I mean, really throughout his career, though, yeah. like yeah, Timberlake has had a number of like embarrassments and mm-hmm. gaffes. Um, I mean, Bruno Mars, like I think the worst thing that happened to him was like he got caught doing cocaine once, basically, and then like he that. apologized. Yeah. You don't remember that? No. He had like the smiliest uh, <laughs> mugshot ever. This was way back in the day. But yeah, yeah. Yes. If, if, if that counts as controversy for Bruno Mars, he's probably doing all right. But actually, I forgot about the, the shame on me, I forgot about the guy that I actually picked in this discussion, I think, and that's Usher. Yeah, Usher's uh, who... Not de- as consistent, but... He's, he's definitely he not highest, as consistent, highest. but like... I mean, we were talking about this on Twitter with, with our mutual friend Spike Eskin, and he kind of points out that like, the problem with Justin Timberlake is that he has a little bit too perfect an image, and yeah. that he he didn't really have those like kind of albums out in the wilderness, you know, so to speak. I guess he's, he has one now, but uh, but now yeah, Usher, like you really got the peaks and valleys with him, and, and it kind of and, and he lets you in in a way that Justin Timberlake never does. I don't know how important that is to a pop star, but like you never really get a sense of interiority with Justin Timberlake. You never feel like. You're really learning that much about him from his music. I mean, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong here, but no, uh, I think that's totally right. I mean, you know, and the other thing in his defense, though, is that he does so much and does it well. Like mm-hmm. he is a very good actor. He's a pretty good comedian. Sure. Um, <clears throat> he also like can contribute to a project without overtaking it. I mean, he was in Inside Lewin Davis and was right. like an incredible highlight of the movie, but he didn't like chew up the scenery. He was just like a small part of it. Like 
he is very good at what he does. He can be the star, and then he can also be a minor supporting character. And most like pop stars can't do that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I want I want a little bit more ambition from Justin Timberlake. I think like not not, and I don't mean just like ambition in terms of longer song lengths and. You know, longer, longer songs, <laughs> longer, please. longer album rollouts, but just like you know, try, you know, you know, push himself a little bit, push his songwriting a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily interested in hearing about his roots so much. I, I'd rather him him you know, try to, you know, try to expand his own horizons and and, and maybe you know, maybe, and maybe that's what this album is going to be. Maybe this album is him taking shots and, and and failing and succeeding in some spots. And and I think maybe that's what he needs. And maybe. And we'd be talking about this album five years from now as as like his his art pop or his you know four or whatever like the kind of down commercial album that maybe the fans come around to and um, you know maybe maybe it's a sort of a necessary thing for him to 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 not have such un you know unquestioned success for one album and he'll, he'll grow as an artist as a result. Yeah, yeah. here's hoping. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you, Joe and Jason, for stopping by and thank uh, you doing doing this. Yeah, JT. Right yeah, man. Go Eagles. <laughs> Go Eagles. It's def- definitely what Justin Timberlake's rooting for. Dirty babe, you see these shackles, baby, I'm your slave. I'll let you with me if I misbehave. It's just that no one makes me feel this way. Come in and celebrate Lowe's Spring Fest before it's over with four bags of Select Scott's Mulch for $10. Or to grow your garden, we've got four 11.8-ounce Bonnie vegetables and herbs for $10. Give your garden and lawn the full spring treatment. Springfest, a festival of fun and savings for your garden and total home. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Offers valid through 428 while supplies last. In-store only. Selection varies by location. U.S. only. Excluding Alaska and Hawaii.